Okay? Uh, Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to be able to, uh, to think through your word, to celebrate who you are, to love you, and learn more about you. Lord, some of us come in here with, with great concerns and great worries. Some of us come with big problems. But Lord, I know that you're bigger than any problem, any circumstance, anything that can come against us. So, Lord, as we take the time to pray to you, we ask that you would help us at the point of our need, that you would give us eyes to see you, that we would move our gaze from... We would move our gaze from what our issues are to who our God is. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your word would have to say to us today. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, quick deal. Um, so, yesterday was supposed to... What, what do you do the day after the end of the world, right? And so we decided we'd plan on the service anyway. And still... Um, you know why this could happen and this could, this could have so much um, fuel and energy behind it. You know why uh, one guy from a radio station could have so much influence? It's because people are neglecting their Bible. If they just read their Bible, Jesus said, nobody knows the time or the day. It was just that simple. And, I mean, it's, it's as if Jesus saw this one coming. By the way, the guy who predicted this also predicted the end of the world in 96. Here's the rule of life. If a guy predicts the end of the world and it doesn't come, don't believe him again. Okay? That's the rule. All right? And it was worth coming to church just for that. Was it not? Okay? That's the rule of life. Okay. Um, so, I, I, all right. In your bulletins, guys, there's a bunch of stuff. Oh, man. This thing is packed out. You have... Um, if you don't know where to start reading in the Bible, you have a beautiful insert that will help you to know where to start reading in the Bible. You have all sorts of announcements, worship service etiquette. If you've never been to a worship service, you go, gosh, I don't know how to act, I don't know where to be. So that's going to help a lot. And, uh, and there's a great um, stuff in there. You can check it out. But here's what I'm most concerned about. If you're here, I want you to take out a yellow card. Take out the yellow card. Take out the yellow card. And if you got the yellow card, what I want you to do is even if you're a relative of mine and you've been coming as long as I've been in this church, I want you to start filling it out and fill out as much as you feel comfortable with. So if you've been coming for 50 years, I want you to start filling it out. Why? Because this yellow card gives us information about you to pray for you. So if you put your name down, we pray for you. If you put nothing else but your name, we still pray for you. But now watch this. If you put on prayer requests, comments, or suggestions, you can write anything. Hey, can the music go louder? Can the music go softer? Hey, can we have less chairs? Can we have more chairs? You know, you can give any suggestions. The bathrooms are, smell wonderful. The bathrooms don't smell wonderful. Whatever you want to say, it'll be instructive to us. Hey, that guy up there really speaks for a long time. Can we get him an editor? Whatever it is, you can put it on there, and it'll be very, very beneficial for you, because we're going to pray for you. And at the end of this service, in the back of it, where it says, my decision for today, right then, 
is when I'm going to ask you to make a decision for today. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Jesus if you don't know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, I'm going to ask you to uh, do what we've been talking about for this service. But I want you to keep that in mind. So I want you to start filling it out, even as I'm speaking. It's okay. I won't be offended by that. Um, One of the most uh, mystical things that we can talk about in our Christian walk is a simple yet profound thing called prayer. This thing called prayer is what the Bible says can move mountains, and yet sometimes it's the most difficult thing we can do. Now, prayer, prayer is a funny thing, right? Because we're going to talk about prayer today, but it's not going to be in the way that maybe you're used to talking about prayer. We're going to talk about, uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to get very specific on prayer, but usually prayers are very, I don't know, self-centered, <laughs> right? Right? It's it's right. If you if you're a teenager, it's or if you know if you're young, you, a little bit older teenager, you know it's oh, God help my face to clear up by the weekend, right? If you're older, right, it's you know I hope I see that person there, or you know you go oh man can I, uh, God get, help me get the raise, help me get the promotion, God help me to stay clean, help me. But the the the, the kind of prayers that we pray sometimes can be ineffective or impotent or they lack power. The kind of prayers we pray, in fact, it, most of us, and I'm talking about us here, I'm talking about me and you, most of us, if we took all the prayers that we prayed all the way up, like last year's prayers, almost nobody would have benefited except us. If you took all of our prayers, almost nobody would have benefited except us. And maybe an aunt or a sick uncle or two. Maybe a friend who's going through it. But hardly anybody. And so I want you to check, as I'm speaking about this, I want you to check the quality of your prayers. Now, do I want you to stop praying for your acne to clear up? No, go ahead, keep on praying that. Do I want you to stop praying for your husband or your weight or your diet or your exercise or your marriage or your... You know, do, do I want you to stop praying for your clean time or your friends or your social life or anything like that? No, I don't want you to. Do I want you to stop praying for your car or your things? In fact, today, we're going to start looking at a woman who's praying for justice for herself. And so, I'm not saying don't stop doing that. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, say, I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is, perhaps there's more. Perhaps there's more. And so today, the big deal, now, before we go on, We've been, we've been in the series called The Christ... The, well, it's, it was originally called The Cross-Centered Life. We're renaming it to The Christ-Centered Life because that's what everybody keeps on telling me, so I think that's what everybody's hearing. So we'll just name it that. The Christ-Centered Life. And what we've said is, is that you're going to have a center of your life. Every one of us has a center of our life. It's going to be him, her, it, that, them, those things. Something makes you revolve around your life, right? So there's something that you revolve around, right? Now... If you're not sure what the center of your life is, I'm going to help you right now. Here it is, and I've been saying this the whole series. Um, the first question that you can ask yourself is, I will be happy if... Fill the blank. Go ahead and fill the blank in your mind. I will be happy if... Fill in the rest of that blank. What is it? Just think about that. What is it? I would be happy if... 
whatever that blank is for you, is the God that you serve. It's the idol you worship. Nothing came up if you said, I would be happy. No, I'm pretty happy, all right. Or, okay, try this one then. Here's another question that will help you to discover the center of your life. I would die if... What would you die? If, if, if this thing happened, if this thing took place, if this got added to your life or this got taken away from your life, I would die if... What would that be? Whatever the answer is to that question, I would die if he ever left me. I would die if she ever went with someone else. I would die if my mother found out. I would die if... The answer to that question is what you revolve your life around. So when you make decisions that are unreasonable, and you go, gosh, this doesn't seem like a reasonable decision. Why am I making this decision? It's simple. The reason that you're making the decision is because that's what you're revolving your life around. We said, I got an idea. Since you're going to have the center of your life, since there is going to be a center in your life, we said in this series, why not make it Christ? Christ will, is the one thing that you could long for and desire and never get enough of, right? Everything else is like Chinese food, right? You get full on it, and like five minutes later, you're hungry again, right? Christ is not like that, right? Christ is truly life. Okay, so we said, and the first thing we said is that, well, it, it, some, of the, some of the means of grace... And we explain that. It means it's the ways that God is going to use to grow you to make him the center of your life is God's word. Does that make sense? Like God is going to grow you in his word. He's going to change your thoughts and your mind. He's going to do it through his word. The next thing we said is through service. But you know what I was thinking this week? I was thinking, ugh, I made a classic mistake. I think a bunch of you are going to walk away and think to yourself, okay, if I just read my Bible and I do service and I do what we're going to talk about today, which is prayer. If I do that, then I can do that enough where Christ will be the center of my life. And that's not what we're saying at all. In fact, you've missed the point. What we're saying is we ask Christ to come into our lives and from the inside he starts growing that. It's almost like, it's almost like when you get married and kisses. Right? Kisses don't make you love your wife more or make you love your husband more. They're just an outflow of your love. Right? You don't go, oh, I've got to work on loving my wife better, so let me kiss her more so I can try to work it up. No, you don't do that. You know what you do? You go, oh, I love you so much, and you just naturally, because that's what married people do. It's, it's a natural outflow. Well, so is this Christ-centered life. A natural outflow. Not that you force yourself to do this, not that you make yourself do this. Not that you try harder or go, you know, none of that. No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that when Christ is at the center of your life, he naturally, just like, just like, watch this. If a person is, is actively, um, if a person is actively betting, right, right, and, and, and that's their lifestyle. They're just, they're gamblers, Right? You never have to tell the person, okay, now here's the th first three steps I want you to do. I want you to go to the OTB. 
I want you to look at whatever horses are there. I want you to pick two or three. I want you to put a certain amount of dollars in. I want you to submit, get it, and then I want you to watch the race. You never have to tell a gambler that. You know why? It just comes naturally. It's just in him. It's in him. You never have to tell an addict how to uh, use. You never have to tell him, you know, there are certain things that are just in you, and there's an outflow of that. You never have to tell a, a selfish person to think of themselves. You never do, right? Have you ever met a selfish person then to go, you know, you just need to start thinking of yourself. You don't have to do that. Selfish people do that all by themselves. And I bet you know one or two. Maybe the one sitting in your seat. I don't know. And so, and so now listen. What we're not saying is if you do this, you know, this plus this plus prayer equals a Christ-centered life. No, 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 no. We're saying that Christ, you're going to notice that Christ is going to start doing some things in your life. And one of the things is word and service and it's prayer. Now, I want you to open up your, uh, in your bulletins, you should see what we call a sermon map. Right? Do you have those? It's not attached to the bulletin. It's just like an insert. Take out that um, bulletin. And what we're going to do is we're going to read this story. Now, we're going to read this story that Jesus told, and I'll explain it to you, and then we're going to talk about three big ideas. The first one is, why keep praying even though I don't get an answer? Have you ever thought that? Hey, man, I'm not getting an answer to this. Why should I keep on praying? The second one is, is there a time I should pray, I should stop praying? And the third one is, what do I do while I'm praying? And all the while, I'm going to ask you also to Watch the quality of your prayers. Make them bigger than just you. But again, we're going to talk about, you know, your stuff and my stuff, and that's fine. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives a parable. You know what a parable is? A parable is a story that Jesus said that's not necessarily true. I do this all the time. Like I'm up here. Does anybody remember the story that I told about the guy in the wheelbarrow who's walking across like on the tightrope? Does anybody remember that story? Yeah, I'm not sure that that's a true story, but it's a good story that illustrates a point, right? Anybody, right? You, you, anybody remember, I think it was last week or the week before, I, I, I shared a story about the king who, uh, uh, you know, who, who was going into eternity, and he said, you know, um, where are you going? Remember that story? Right, right, okay. That's not a true story. That's just a story with a good point. It's kind of like a parable. It illustrates something. Maybe last week I gave you the story. Uh, yeah, it certainly was last week about the king with the carrot, right? And I said, oh, no, 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 the, the guy gave me the carrot, but you gave the horse to yourself. Some of you are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. You should come to service more often. Okay, it's fine, it's fine. Even I don't know what I'm saying. But um, uh, So what I'm saying is this. Those are stories that are not necessarily true, but they bring about a great point. Jesus' parables are similar to that. They're not necessarily, they're a story. Hey, um, uh, let me tell you a story. You know, this guy, what would you say about this guy? And he goes on to tell a story. Why is he doing that? Because he wants to illustrate a point. That's what a parable does. Now, two things. Whenever you look at a parable, you don't read a parable like you read uh, other parts of the Bible. You read a parable differently. Number one, you always ask the question, where is God? Someone in the parable always represents God, either contrasting God or, okay, well, I'll explain that in a second. Someone always represents God, and someone always represents me. 
Someone always represents God, and someone always represents me, and occasionally you see Satan in there, but, you know, that's a third question that you can ask sometimes in the parable. Okay, so now, um, now when, so we're going to look at the first verse, and that's what we're doing when we're looking at this parable. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Look up at me. Here's what I want you to know by the time you leave here. Pray persistently and don't give up. Would you say that with me? Pray persistently and don't give up. One more time, because this is so powerful. Pray persistently and don't give up. That's all I want you to know. I'm going to give you a lot of points. I'm going to, not a lot of points, but I'm going to give you a lot of things to help you to understand and things to write down. We're going to be writing stuff down today. But all I want you to know when you leave here is that I want you to pray persistently and don't give up. That's it. That's the big idea for today. Now, when, when you see God in the parables, it's very important that Jesus, um, when he uses a parable and he speaks about God, he speaks about God in comparison and in contrast. In other words, Jesus says, God is like this. That's a comparison. God is like a father whose son asks him for money and, you know, and says, drop dead, dad, and then goes and rebels against him and God waits for him. You know, the father waits for him. God is like that. It's a comparison. And then there's another kind, and it's a contrast. God is not like that, Right? And so this is one of those parables where it's, God is not like that. This is a, if you start thinking of God in this way, then you start, again, if you start reading parables in ways that are not meant to, what, what you're going to discover is that, well, you discover that you're going to get it all wrong. So let's look at this. We're going to read it all the way through, and then we're going to kind of examine, comment, and think through it. Okay? So let's do it. Verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should... Always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, this is Jesus. Now, now that was a story. Now look up at me. What a cute little story, right? Okay, so the story, you you get the idea of the story? There's this, so Jesus is going, okay, let me tell you. I'm going to tell you a, a parable about praying persistently and not giving up. There was this woman. And there was this awful judge who refused to give her justice, but because she kept on coming back and saying, grant me justice, the guy finally did it. Even this evil guy did it. Because she was persistent in prayer. Now, this is where Jesus contrasts the judge and God. He says this, verse 6. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And here's the part about the contrast, verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Look up at me. That's a rhetorical question. That's like when you go to your, and I've told you about rhetorical questions, right? That's like when you go to your kids 
and you go, do you want to pay for this? You're not expecting an answer back. And they're not expecting to give you an answer because everybody knows the answer to that. You go, no. Right? Like you're buying a kids a pair of shoes and they're $60 and they want the $250 and, and you go to the register and it's like, oh, but I didn't want the shoes and I wanted the $220 shoes. And you go, you want to pay for this? Because you could pay for this. If, I mean, if, if this is not, you could know, you could buy the $220 shoes. I don't have any objections against that. And they're like, well, no, of course not. It's a, it's a rhetorical question. Um, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, if this judge, this evil judge who doesn't care about God and doesn't care about men, if this evil judge gives mercy to this woman, what do you think God will do? God, who's infinitely beautiful, who's infinitely wonderful, who's infinitely glorious, who's infinitely wise, who's infinitely merciful, who's infinitely kind, who's infinitely knowing, who's, like, you know, it's just, do you think, don't you think, what do you think God will do for you? Now, Listen, this is very important. Immediately, as I say that, something inside of us, for a lot of us, goes, yeah, but I'm damaged goods. God's not going to hear my prayers. God's not going to listen to my pleas. God's not going to uh, respond to me because I've drifted away. This is why God won't respond to me. This is why, because I'm cursed, because I've been disobedient, because I've lied, because I've cheated, because I've wronged, because I've sinned, because I've... And and we say this to ourselves. We don't necessarily say it out loud, but we say it to ourselves. God goes, no, no, no. Jesus, who is God, and who is now speaking about God, says, no, you come. So there's three things that we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on why keep on praying even though I don't get an answer. And the second thing we're going to focus on, is there a time that I should stop praying? And there is. And the third, time, the third thing we're going to focus on is why do, why do I do, what do I do while I'm praying? Let's look at these very quickly because we have very little time. Why keep praying even though I don't get an answer? Because, let me tell you why you're going to continue to persistently pray. You're going to continue to persistently pray on the number one. I want you to write this down. If you don't have, get a pen, get, get something to write with. This is, this is going to be very valuable to you. If you don't have something to write with, we have these little half pencils. Raise your hand if you don't have something to write with. We're going to get one to you. Okay, we've got a couple here. Um, we've got one here. We've got a few here. Got one. Okay, great. We're going to get those pencils to you. Okay, so, okay. Why keep on praying even though I don't get an answer? Because persistent praying focuses my attention. Would you write that down? Praying persistently focuses my attention. When this, listen, this widow knows who she was coming to. She was coming to this evil judge. And she was focused. She knew who she was going to. She knew how long she would be going to him. She was focused. If you don't uh, uh, believe this, uh, just watch. You know, who, you know who prays persistently and in a beautiful way? Children do. They don't call it, we don't call it prayer. We call it whining. 
right? They pray to their parents. Is that not, am I lying? Right? So what they do is they go up to their parents and they go, Ma, can I go out on, you know, to the party, you know, that starts at like 3 o'clock in the morning? And then you're like, no. No, you cannot go to the party. No, you can't sleep over Susie's house so that you can sneak out and go to the party. No, you can't do, you know, no, 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 no. And then what happens? Maybe 15 minutes later. Ma, can I go to the party that starts at 1 o'clock in the morning? No, you can't start to the party and wait two hours for the party to start and all that. And then what happens after that? If you do that enough with Ma, you, don't, you, you, you change the focus of your prayer. You go, okay, Ma. Ba. Um, you, know, what, you, know, you wouldn't believe how mean Mom is being to me, right? Because kids are smart. And, so, and, so, and there's some kids here who will never come back to the service. But what I'm saying is, is, is that all of you kids do this with God, right? And, if, and it's a good thing when, with, when it's with God. We go to God, God, you know, help my body fight off the, the, the virus. Help my body to fight off the sickness. Help my body. Yeah, it's, 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 it gives you a focus that you didn't have before. Persistent prayer has a way of focusing you. Secondly, The reason that we should keep on praying persistently is because it clarifies your, clarifies my request. Write that down. Second thing that it does is it clarifies my request. Now, this is very, very important. As you're writing that down, clarifies my request. There's nothing that clarifies your request like waiting on God to answer a prayer. We get in these yellow cards that I asked you to fill out, and I pray that you started to fill them out already. But in these yellow cards, there's this wonderful thing called prayer requests. And some people write it out, and they'll never know that their prayers have been. And they write it out, and they'll never sing to me, right? Because kids are smart. And so, and so, and there's some kids here who will never come back to the service. But what I'm saying is, is, is that all of you kids do this with God, right? And, if, and it's a good thing. When, with, when it's with God. We go to God, God, you know, help my body fight off the, the, the virus. Help my body to fight off the sickness. Help my body. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, it gives you a focus that you didn't have before. Persistent prayer has a way of focusing you. Secondly, the reason that we should keep on praying persistently is because it clarifies your clarifies my request. Write that down. Second thing that it does is it clarifies my request. Now, this is very... That's what I want you to do, God. Do nice things. Or, God, bless me. Has anybody here ever been blessed by God and it caused great tears? <laughs> I've been blessed by God. Some of the, let me tell you something. Some of the most wonderful times that I've grown in my life have been through severe pain. When I was going through it, I called it a curse. Looking back, I go, wow, what a blessing. What a blessing. I learned so much. I'd have never learned that lesson. But that's not what I'm asking for. <laughs> I'm not asking for more pain. I got enough of that. I think I want something else. So, you know, so like, right, if you're a kid, like, you know, right, you go to your parents, you go, I want the red Schwinn with the seven gears. And, the, you know, right, you, you get specific. What is it? Oh, pr- I pray for my marriage. Okay, I pray for your marriage. I pray for your ch- pray for my children. I pray for your children. Pray for my job. I pray for your job. Like what? So what? What is exactly that you want God to do in your job? 
What exactly do you want God to do with your spouse? What exactly do you want God to do with your health? Because here's the deal. If you don't know, how will you know when God does it? See, it's very, very important that when we pray, super duper important, that when we pray and we pray persistently, one of the benefits that we get from it is that it clarifies our request. No, God, I don't want you to pray for my... I don't want you to... I don't want to just pray for my marriage, Lord. I want you to fix my wife. And then you pray that for years and you go, oh, oh, wait. I want you to fix me. And so... And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the second, third thing. Why should I keep on praying even though I don't get an answer? I, can, I should keep on persistently praying because it tests my faith. It tests my faith. It, it makes you find out if you're pursuing God or you're just pursuing God for what He could give you. Believe me, nobody wants to be pursued for just what you can give them. Nobody. Like, there are certain people in society that kind of accept that, right? The old rich guy who gets the supermodel young, 50, year old, 50 years younger than him, wife, he accepts that she's pursuing him for something other than, you know, romantic love. Maybe, you know, it might be uh, money or, or the, the, the guy who pursues the girl just for sex. Nobody, but nobody wants to be used you know what? When we persistently pray, we discover if we're being a user of God or if we're actually pursuing God. It tests our faith. It also tests, when we say tests our faith, it tests the maturity of your faith. Right? Some of us, some of us refuse to have any faith at all until like, we get everything, all the ducks in the row, everything that's happened... There's this great story. Uh, his, he was a missionary. I remember his last name. I, I think his name was Royce House. He was an Englishman. Uh, I remember his last name, House. That was clear. And um, this missionary, uh, in the early part of the 20th century, early to mid part of the 20th century, um, God spoke to him in England to go to Africa. Now, this one's a true story. This is not just a parable. This is like an actual true story. This really did happen. Um, and... He was told to go to uh, England. And so, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he was from England, he was, and the Lord told him to go to Africa. Well, after months of praying, God, I want you to give me what I need to send me to Africa. I want you to give me what I need to send me to Africa. Somebody eventually came a few months later and said, Hey, didn't you say that God had called you to Africa? And he goes, Yes, but I only have enough money to get to, and I, I can't remember what it was, I have it written down in my notes, um, but it was a particular place. And, and he goes, I, but I only have enough money to get there. And, and the guy responded with great wisdom. He said, then you better get there. And he goes, but it's not enough to take me all the way to Africa. And he goes, it's okay, get there. That was the, so he sells everything, and he takes his money, and he gets to the place. And so he gets there. Now, now you've got to understand, no money, no cell phone, right? It's the, it's the middle of, of the 20th century. No nothing. He winds up there. He gets up. He goes, okay, God. 
And so God speaks to his heart. And again, this is a story that he tells about him going to Africa and being a missionary. He says, uh, Mr. House says this. He says, God spoke to his heart, and here's what God said. What would you do if you did have the money? He goes, I would stand in the line waiting uh, to buy a ticket. Do that. And so he stands in the line. Get it. It's like, I don't have any money. God, you better do something now. And so he waits. He's four people away from the teller. And the person in front of him, four people, the person in front of him, he goes, he in frustration turns around and says this, I can't wait to, renew the, uh, to redeem these tickets. Here, you take them. And he walks away because he had to catch another boat. To Africa. It tests your faith, doesn't it? It tests your faith. And here's what it tests. The quality and the maturity of your faith. Oh, but God, I don't have everything that I need in order to go forward. My, listen, I'll treat my husband better once he starts treating me better. Listen, 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 listen. How much faith do you have? Oh, start. It was, um, yesterday was supposed to be, the, everybody know that yesterday was supposed to, you missed it. It was the end of the world. And, um, and so, um, you, you missed it. So, um, I... You know, I was ready for it. I was, I was busy doing kingdom work, so I was ready. I was like, Jesus is going to see me. I was even baptized. I never baptized anybody. I said, yesterday I'm going to be baptizing people because I want Jesus to come back. Yep, doing what you asked me to. Um, uh, and so, uh, but I, I mean, he wasn't coming. But, uh, but um, here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing. Um, gosh, that was a funny joke, but it made me forget my train of thought. Um, okay, so it tests your faith. It tests your faith. Right? Um, yeah, I really did lose that thought. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. I'll get it. It'll be for the next, come to the next service. It'll be better. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, so it just, it tests your faith. How much, how much do you believe? Are you willing to take the next step? If your husband is in fact, oh, and that's why, because it was the end of the world. That's what it was. I remembered my old thought. Okay, so there was a phone call um, on Friday to the uh, secretary at the, at the radio where everybody's saying, oh yeah, it's the end of the world, May 21st. And she, you know, he's, he's talking to the secretary, he goes, the reporter says, I'd like to speak to Harold Camping. He goes, no, he's obviously very busy. I mean, tomorrow's the end of the world. He's got, tie, you know, some loose ends to tie up, I imagine. And so, you know... So, you know, you think you're busy when you go on vacation. Could you imagine what the end of the... Right? So, okay, so she goes... But he asks a very funny question. He goes... And this is just hysterical. He goes, can I call back on Monday? She goes, sure, I'll be here. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? It tests your faith. Persistent prayer tests your faith. It reminds me of the story of, uh, of the, uh, the farmers who were receiving a great drought, right? And they were like, okay, that's it. We're going to get the whole community together, all the farmers, we're going to have an outdoor service, and we're going to pray that God brings real serious rain or our crops are done. We're just about past that season. And he, the, the, the preacher, you know, he calls it, and everybody shows up. Everybody shows up. And he goes, and, and remember, we're talking about persistent prayer, and the reason we should persistently pray is because it tests our faith. Well, he goes in front of everybody, and he goes, he goes, none of you have any faith. 
And they're like, no, we're here, we want to pray. He goes, none of you have any faith. He goes, no, we're here, we're ready to pray. He goes, then where are your umbrellas? Because if you're going to pray for rain, and you're going to believe that God is going to do something great, bring an umbrella. Hey, 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 what are you praying for that you're not preparing for? Right? Are you praying for a husband? God, bring me a husband. I want a godly man. Are you, are you preparing yourself to be a godly woman? Is it a... God, you know, we're married and we've been, you know, we want to have kids now. Are you, are you reading? Are you reading books on parenting? And are you preparing yourself? Because if God's going to know, but the doctor says we can't have it, are you, are you preparing yourself? If you're... If, are, 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 you go, God... Help me with my health. Are you preparing for that? God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start moving. See, praying persistently, not only does it clarify, not only does it focus, but it tests your faith. Fourth thing, pray persistently. When we pray persistently, it prepares me for the answer. Would you write that down? Would you just write that down as a fourth thing? It prepares me for the answer. So when I pray over and over again, it prepares me for the answer. So if you're, if you're praying for your kids and your kids have gone astray, and oh, gee whiz, it's, it's been a long time, and, and all that other stuff, what you're going to discover is that you start prepare, um, it, it prepares you for the answer. You start going, you know what, God? When this happens, I just, I, I know when you bring this about, I'm going to, it's going to change a couple of things. The way I respond to her, the way I, the way I interact with the child, the way I deal, okay, okay, help me. Help me, Lord, to be prepared for your answer. Isn't it something? Isn't it something that many times we find ourselves unprepared for God's answer? You ever hear the one about the, uh, the kid in seminary who had to write a paper about um, mercy, right? And he writes a paper about mercy like he's in seminary, so he's learning about the Bible and God and all that. And so he goes, and that before he goes to his classroom, he has to step over this homeless person to get to his class. And you go, oh, <laughs> he wrote a paper, but he wasn't prepared. God, help me to share the gospel. God, help me to share Jesus with someone else. And then someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I'm struggling. And you're like, not prepared for it. Come on, prepare. If you pray persistently, it prepares you for the answer. So that's why the Bible says to keep praying even though you don't get an answer. And and so you know. uh, Well, all right. All right, now watch this. Is there a time I should stop praying? That's the next question we're going to answer. Is there a time I should stop praying? There's, legitimately, there's two times where you should stop praying about something. Here it is. First, I can stop praying when, number one, God answers the prayer. Write that down. I can stop praying when God answers the prayer. I can stop praying when God... So I go, God, you know... Heal my body. It's healed. Woohoo! I don't have to pray about that anymore. I have a journal, right? And, and I write out my prayers. And so in my journal, as I'm writing out my prayers, at the end, 
I almost always, about 95% of the time that I pray, um, I write at the end, Lord, send revival, save, and then the people in my life who don't know Jesus, that I'm you know, asking Jesus to save, and I go, so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. Yesterday, one of the people that I had been praying for, for a long time, got saved. I mean, I mean I'm sorry, he didn't get saved. Uh, he got saved a few weeks ago, um, and he got baptized yesterday. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's absolutely. God is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Now watch this. I don't pray for his salvation anymore. I stopped that. As a matter of fact, I remember the next day that I found out after he, he let me know that he, you know, he received uh, Christ as his Lord and Savior. I, I was praying. I was like, oh no, <laughs> scratch that. Thank you for saving this brother. Thank you for doing this thing. And I have a, a bunch of you on my list. And I'm just asking God to do an incredible thing. Um, but, but once God answers the prayer, you can stop praying that. Second reason is I can stop praying when God, not only when God answers the prayer, but when God changes my heart. Write that down. When God changes my heart. Now this one, let me tell you something. This one is so important to be sensitive to the Spirit of God about. Let me tell you why. Some of us are praying for things that are going to harm us. God, keep this relationship together. Keep this relationship together. Keep this relationship together. And God is like, no, no, no. I don't, love, I, I don't hate you like that. God, God, uh, you, know, you know, fix my finances. Fix my finances. Fix my finances. If I fixed your finances, you would just run amok. You, you know, you'd, you'd be a mess. I mean, if I fix, honestly, if I fixed your finances, you'd, 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 you'd leave everybody you loved. You'd, you know, it's the, those finances are the only thing that are keeping you reasonably sane. God, God, you know, help me with, you know, man, it just, there's a, there's a sense where in prayer, God changes us. And that's the thing that I want you to look for in prayer. When God is changing you. How is God changing you in prayer? Well, there, there can be several things that God does, but be sensitive to that. Finally, what do I do while I'm praying? Here's two things I want you to do. Two things I want you to do while you're praying. First is wait patiently. Would you write that down? Wait patiently. Can I suggest... That if your marriage has been going like downhill for like 32 years, that two weeks is not enough of praying. To, and and, and God, can, God can do it in an instant. And sometimes he does. Honestly, I've seen that happen. But wait patiently. You know what happens when people lose their patience in prayer? They reveal their idols. They reveal their idols. Here, now, so here's what we do. We say, and we don't say this out loud, and we don't even think it's, but this is exactly our actions revealed. This is what we believe. We go, God, I have a God. It's this. It's her. It's it. It's that. This is my real God. But I'll run to you, Jesus, in so long as you give me my real God. 
It's why you hear people say all the time, oh yeah, I surrendered my heart to Jesus, but then I lost my job. What kind of stuff is that? And you go, oh, 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 I get it, I get it. Jesus wasn't your God. Your job was your God. Financial security was your God. Oh, I understand perfectly. You know what? I went to Jesus and I started to go to church and I was praying that he would fix my marriage and my husband walked out and left me. So what good is God anyway? Oh, I get it. Your God was the marriage. Your God was the guy, was the thing. Was the, oh, I get it. You know what? I, I, I went to Jesus and I, and, I, and I submitted my life to him and I was praying that he would heal my sickness and I got sicker. Oh, I get it. You want to get God to give you your God. And if God doesn't give you your God, you'll find somebody else to give you your God. So you'll jump from Buddhism to to Islam to Christianity to Hinduism to Baha'ism. You'll jump anywhere because it's about you. It's about getting what you want. You have a God. And you know what? There's a lot of people in Christianity who live like that. A bunch of people who teach that if you love God, in fact, their teachers promise this. If you love God, he'll give you your God. I promise. You've heard them preach. They're all over TV. If you just have enough faith, you will absolutely get that job. You will drive that nice car. You will just, you know, over and over and over again. And listen to me. Listen to me. That is foreign to the Bible. When we pray persistently, God changes us. The marriage, the children, the job, the security, the beauty, the, the, the financial resources, all that stuff is no longer, is no longer the point. Jesus, keep the job or lose the job. You are my God and my joy and my salvation. Homeless or with a home, you are my joy, you are my rock, you are my salvation. Sick or healthy, you are my joy. Record deal or no record deal. Uh, Relationship or no relationship. Family or no family. Kids or no kids. Freedom freedom and joy or pain and... Listen, you are... My God. Jesus, when we pray persistently, He changes us. He changes us. God, if you put the marriage together, you don't. I'm going to love you and serve you because you're great. I don't get my joy. My, the primary source of my joy, the center of my life is not this thing. The center of my life is Christ. And I, boy, I got, I got that in excess. I got Christ in abundance. I got Christ. So, you know, a lot, I know a lot of us are praying for important things. Um, I've, uh, and some of you know this. I, I uh, you know, obviously I have a mom, but my mom's been sick for as long as I can remember. I don't remember my mom not being sick. And uh, I remember, and this was just one of those moments where um, it seemed everything just kind of crashed down. I was uh, in my home, and I got a phone call from my mother, and they were going to, my my mother struggles with some mental 
stuff. And uh, I got a phone call from a, a health aide who was just in, just didn't know how to handle the situation. And uh, she said, I'm calling. I've already called the police. I've called. I said, don't do that. Don't do that. And she goes, it's already done. And I remember. I remember praying as I ran outside in the snow in bare feet to run two blocks to get to my mother's house. I said, don't do that. Don't do that. So I ran there, and the police was already there. And I knew that this was not going to end well. And I prayed, and man, I'm talking the kind of prayer that is as authentic and as... And I'm not praying for me. I'm praying for her. And I'm not praying for something bad. I'm praying for something good. And I'm not praying for... I'm, try, I'm not praying for my own protection. I'm praying for hers. And, uh, and uh, just it was a horrible scene. The police officers were completely insensitive. I mean, really mean-spirited. And uh, the just, and I was trying to negotiate, you know, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a negotiator, right? I, I mean, I talk for a living, right? So I, I, I talk to people and I go, come on, this is reasonable. We can, we can solve this. We can call the doctor. Let's, let's get it. This person didn't uh, diagnose this person well. No, no, we're going to go this way. That's it. And they were going to take her to a place that I consider just one of the worst places in the world, which was, uh, uh, you know, Woodhall Medical Center. And you know, right? You know how terrible that place is. You go to Woodhall Medical Center, and they were going to take it to the fifth floor. Anybody know? That's the psych ward. It's, Rikers Island looks like a very safe place to be in comparison to the fifth floor and Woodhall Center. And listen to me, listen to me. It's my mom. And so, I'm praying fervently, passionately. I'm doing everything I can. My prayer is focused. My prayer is clear. My prayer is, is, is t- my faith is, is, is pure on this one. I am prepared for the answer. I'm there. I, I, you know, I am asking God. I, this is a real big deal. And so we go, and I said, I said, Ma, I am not letting them put you into the fifth floor. Just so you know, we're coming back home. I told her that. That's how passionate and, and sure I was that God was going to do something here. And, uh, and she goes, Edwin, don't put, don't, and could you, can you feel emotionally what that's like? Edwin, don't let, don't let them put me in there. No, no. Somebody might have to die, but you are not going in there. And as the day progressed, three hours, four hours, five hours, six, as the day progressed, I realized how lost our cause was because she was going deeper into her lostness. Just, she was just losing it more and more as the day went on, just kind of gone. And I could see it. There was one point where there was absolutely nothing that could be changed. This was, they had, two, they had a, a doctor, they had another confirming doctor, they had a, it was just a bad scene. And when I realized that, my first thought was, I'm going to put a chair through the window and tell somebody I'm going to kill myself. Because if you tell somebody you're going to kill yourself and you do something that crazy, uh, they'll 
they'll put you in there. And I said, I'll, I'll protect her in there. And then the, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and says, no, don't do that. And so they, they put my mother in a wheelchair and she sort of feigned like she was uh, passed out because she just didn't want to, I mean, I can't imagine the anxiety she was going through. And that horrible sound, some of you have heard it, and the door opens and they take her, wheel her out, and I'm looking at her, and I'm a liar. I didn't fulfill my promise. And I'm looking at her, and I failed her. And I'm looking at her. And so I just don't know what to do with all the emotion. I just got so much anger inside. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm so angry at the police officers, and I'm so angry at the health aid, and I'm so angry. And I'm just going, God, you did not. What's this? Why didn't you come through? You could have came through. This was not impossible for you. And I remember going downstairs, and it was Woodhall, and you cross the street, and there's George's across the street, and you wait for the 61 bus, and I'm waiting there. And there's this woman, and I'll never forget her. She has this, this, this tiny woman with these big, um, you ever seen somebody with like beach sunglasses, like the big beach sunglasses kind of thing, where it kind of covers your eyes, and you can't see the person's eyes. not like dimly. It's like black. It's like looking in a mirror almost. And, um, and I could see tears streaming down her face. And it was as if that moment God gave me permission. And I said, God, how can I protect her? How can I keep her from harm? How can I? And then I saw this woman crying. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and says, Edwin, can you trust me to protect her? Oh, God, I don't know. This is a bad situation. It's the fifth floor. It's Edwin, can I be trusted to protect her? Can I keep her from harm? And just tears started to stream down my face. My prayer changed. My prayer changed. God, I can't protect her. Will you protect her? God, you're a good God. You are worth this. This caught me by surprise. This did not catch you by surprise. You're a good God. I can trust you. I'll trust you to protect her. And he did. And he did in that insane asylum. He did. Pray. Don't stop praying. And occasionally ask the Lord, God, am I praying for what you want? Or am I praying for what I want? Am I, God, am I focused my attention on you rather than what I want? God, am I clear, clear in my request? God, I want... This is exactly... God, get her out of the hospital. Get you just, would you just please, don't let her get into the hospital. Just stop her from going in that place. God, test my... God, would you just... I know you're a good God. I know you can do this. I trust you to do this. God, would you prepare me for the answer? I don't, I don't know if I was prepared for the answer. God, would you answer my prayer? And then, God, would you change my heart? And finally, God, would you help me to be patient? Because you're her God too. I'll wait patiently. 
but also wait expectantly, hopingly. I'll bring my umbrella. God, you can do this. So, what is it that you're praying for? What is I was just uh, speaking to a brother in this service whose uh, marriage just fell apart. And, uh, man, there's hope now. There's hope. They, 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 at one point, uh, there was no, you know, just refusing counseling, refusing, and now she's open for counseling. It's like, oh, man, that's a miracle. That's a shift. But that wasn't a one-week prayer. That wasn't a two-month prayer. It's like a three-year prayer. It's like years and years in the home and then having to just, oh man, this thing is falling apart and then just pray. But can I also, can I also, can I also push you one little bit more? Would you watch the quality of your prayers? Would you, I mean, I'm, again, pray for your health. I want you to pray for your health. Pray for your, listen, listen. Pray, pray. For everything that you pray for yourself. I'm not saying don't stop praying. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to make fun of that. I don't want to do anything wrong about that. Just keep on doing that. But would you also watch the quality of your prayers? Is that all your prayers are? Let me tell you something. NBT, we're going to need this. If we're going we're gonna to need to be people of prayer if we're going to go into the future. We've got a $4 million problem in our building trying to restore it. So you know, you guys don't give that much. So you know. Like if you were, you know, oh man, how are we going to fix that? Oh, somebody else will give. We don't have any millionaires here. Right? And if you do, do you have an extra $4 million? And, but we had a building burned down. Like, man, it's going to take millions of dollars to, I mean, tens of millions of dollars if we uh, break it down and build it up. But that's something that you need to keep in prayer. And millions of dollars if we just repair it. But either way, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Do you pray about that? Is that at the forefront of your prayers? That God, you would make NBT a beacon of light and hope that many people would come to Christ. Many marriages would be reunited. Many families would be put together. Many hearts that are broken would be mended. Many people would know Jesus through me and through this church. What are the quali- what's the quality of your prayer? Is it all about your kids and your job and your health and your marriage and your car? Oh, God, get this car to, you know, help this car get to, you know, help me find a parking spot, God. Right? I mean, like, is that, the, is that the extent? And I'm not saying that God doesn't do that. And I'm not saying stop praying. Listen, you know, I get in the car, I go, God, you know, you know. I'm just saying that that's not a, a ask, listen, pray big things, NBT. Pray big things. Pray things. That would, like, you know what? When I get into the car, and I, you know, when I get into the car and I go, God, would you help us to get to our, you know, destination quickly and safely? Like, that's not something that God goes, whoa, angels, watch out, give me room. I got to get them there safely. You know? God, find me a parking spot. Woohoo! Getting a nosebleed. Wait. This is going to take a lot. You, get out of there. Let's go, oh, look, perfect timing. God, thank you. Like, you know, help us to get good seats at the game. I mean, 
Don't stop praying that. I mean, go ahead. I'm saying, pray bigger prayers. So I have a, I have a, a charge for you. And it's simply this. Pray bold prayers this week. Pray crazy prayers. Pray prayers that have nothing to do with you, but everything with the kingdom of God. Pray things like, like for God to send a revival and that you would be a part of it. Pray that God would send millions of dollars so we could do something that's never been done before. Pray that addicts who are actively using would be freed from the bondage of addiction, love Jesus, study his Bible, and become people of hope to share what God can do in the lives of broken people. Pray, pray that God would use you to share your faith this week. God, would you just open it? These are scary prayers, right? Like, just ask that one prayer. God, let me share my faith with somebody else. But that, that, that'll take your breath away. You, won't, you might not, because you know, you, want, you know why you might not pray that? Because God might actually do it. And so pray, pray big prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray that God use you like never before. I'm praying for you to do that. So, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay with your small prayers and little ideas about God? Or are you going to pray big prayers? My prayer for you is that you would pray big prayers. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for this time together. And the truth be told, Lord, I'm many, many, many more times likely to pray for silly things like parking spots and great seats. I'm many more times likely to pray for me and my health and my family and this church. Lord, help me not just to pray for this church. Help me to pray for the capital C church, the universal church, the church around the world. Help me, O oh God, to pray for people right where they are and that to be used by you and for your glory. Father, I pray that you would use this congregation to really pray, really seek your face, and really worship you. I thank you, O oh God, that you hear our prayers. Lord, would you remind us about this service? Would you remind us this week to pray bigger prayers? God, explode our faith in you. Help us to seek you. Help us to honor you in our prayers. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.